You know, I still can't believe it. I honestly still cannot believe it. And I'm not even talking about how the game ended last night. I'm talking about this $3.75 million for a hockey card? I can't believe the Gretzky rookie card just traded hands for nearly $4 million. I mean, honestly, I must have had at least five of those. Greg Brady, he's the host of the playoff show here on 640 Toronto. He joins us now. Uh, Greg, you got any Gretzky rookies lying around? I'm so glad you said that. The one where he's skating around, the exact one you're looking at, I had at one point, and did I lose it on the school bus? My mom threw a lot of cards out or, um, yeah. you know, around 1982 when I was just more into music and, and collecting clothes and trying to look good for the, the odd girl. I don't mean the odd girl. I mean the whatever. But either way, yeah, that, that, like I had that card too. What what were what are we doing? We wouldn't be working right now. Well, we would because we love the craft so much. Well, we exactly. Would. But you know, here's I was also thinking because I did uh, the exact thing that so many kids did back then as well because I wanted my bike to sound more like a motorbike, a motorcycle. <laughs> I'm sure a few of those Gretzky rookies ended up in the spokes. But even such, I'm sure. I mean, the, the rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, the, those cards got to be worth what now, like twenty thousand. <laughs> Why didn't you put the Randy Greggs or the Lee Fogelins <laughs> or the Kevin McClellans in the spokes, Jeff, though? Why didn't you the Rejo roots Elena? I mean, you know, he's going to go back to Finland anyway. Like put those in the spokes. You don't don't put Gretzky or Curry or Anderson in the spokes. Don't yeah. do that. By the way, I'm sure you have. Have you interviewed Wayne Gretzky before? Uh, several times. Not not in the last. You know what? The last time I interviewed him, he had just Dustin Johnson had just sought um, rehab for alcohol and drugs. And he was engaged to Pauline. And I thought someone's got to ask him the question. So I said, like, you know, you're a supportive potential father-in-law. And he gave a great answer on Dustin Johnson having some issues at the time. Yeah, I remember that interview. That was probably six years ago before wow. they were uh, they were before he was a grandfather. Yeah. See, here's the thing, because I have yet to interview. I've never sat down and interviewed Wayne Gretzky. It's kind of the one interview I really, really want to do. And the only time I have ever run into the great one was right around that rookie year. I was like literally 10, 11 years old. And it turned out his cousin, I was growing up in Burlington, his cousin lived around the corner from us. And it was just after that rookie year. And he was there visiting a family and a bunch of us. I, I put on my 99 Oilers jersey and I stood out there <laughs> and I waited for Wayne to come out. And uh, no word of a lie, he finally walked out with a Mr. Big t-shirt on. Because it was a candy bar, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was sponsoring the candy bar at the time. And he sat in this car, which I'm sure was a Lamborghini, but uh, to 10-year-old Jeff MacArthur, it looked like a spaceship. And uh, he talked to us and he signed the piece of paper that I brought. I mean, I was so out of it. I had five of those rookie cards, and I didn't know enough to bring those to get signed. It was just a piece of paper. By the way, I think he's going to be really good on TV. The problem in Canada is I don't know if we'll be able to see those games, if they'll be picked up simulcast, but he can be outspoken. He knows the game. Remember the uh, the stir he caused Jeff at Salt Lake City when he's like, you people always ripping the Canadian game and our Canadian players and saying this and saying that. That's all I remember about that Olympics was him picking up for his players. So he, he get pretty outspoken when he wants to be. Yes, well, he just signed that to deal, of course, and will be a commentator next season. But let's talk about this season and last night and how that game ended. The Leafs come back all the way back, only to lose it in like literally the first. I was just settling in for the overtime, Greg, and I was like, what? It's over? It's done? I know. And that's that. That's the problem with overtime. You got the long intermission. It feels like forever. You're like, I, you know, I'll set the alarm a little later in the morning. 
I'll cancel that 845, uh, you know, Zoom aerobics class. Not that you and I would, but somebody probably did listening. And then, and the next thing you know, snap of a finger, you're like, I went through a 19 minute intermission for one minute of hockey. There's guys on the bench that didn't even, that they were like, I wonder when I'll get thrown over the boards by Sheldon. Oh, it's over. Great. That's, I'm really glad I stuck around for it. I could have been back in the hotel by now. Yeah. yeah so how I deflating was, I was is that? Shocked. Yeah. How deflating is that for the Leafs going into tomorrow night's game, the way it ended after coming all the way back? Well, I, I think they realized, um, Montreal had come to play and I give the Canadians a lot of credit. I, you know, it's that old cliche, you know, is it important to get off to a good start? Well, of course, everyone's going to say it is, but it really was for Montreal last night, Jeff. They really, I I can, they've lost three straight. They've been outscored 11, two in those games. They can't score a goal in the power play. So to go up three, nothing early in the second period, Edmonton did the same thing because you do wonder in these COVID times, you do wonder they're all tired of being together. They've been stuck, uh, you know, in in Canada and haven't even had cool trips to the states um, to go down to Florida or Texas or California or anywhere. So, do they just look at this as inevitable and say because NBA teams, I know that happens sometimes. The Raptors, when they're playing a game four against LeBron and the Cavs, I'm sorry, count them out because they know that even if they win that one, they're not winning the next three. So, I was impressed by Edmonton earlier this week and and Montreal. And yeah, Jeff, you hit on the the how demoralizing it is. I think it's just I think it just makes you mad more than sad. And I think Leaf fans are look, they've been abused and battered. And it's been even if you're a 20 year old Leaf fan, you've had chronic disappointments the last half decade or so, let alone a, a 65 year old that's been waiting since 1967. The Leafs have never been to a Stanley Cup final when there's been more than six teams. So I think you're just angry now going into tomorrow night. And guess what? The Canadians gave. The players gave that city an opportunity for a game with fans. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing that we might not have seen in Canada had that not happened. So now it's this extra layer of fascination. Now we wonder if 2,500 fans can give the Habs because they almost will exclusively be Canadians fans because the rest of us can't travel. Having said that, what sort of effect do you think that's going to have on the game tomorrow night? This is really interesting because it's only like 10% or 12% of the building that'll be full, but neither of these teams have played in front of fans of any number for a very, very long time. Is it going to affect maybe both teams, do you think, uh, for the first little while? And then it could, it, could it affect the Leafs a little more since it is obviously going to be a Montreal crowd? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a significant help to Montreal. I don't I don't disagree that it isn't. And th- that's the one thing too is all the pressures on the Leafs. The Canadians are are playing with house money, but they are playing in front of their fans. And we've seen the Leafs have to do this in in previous incarnations, have to go on the road and and win a game 7. We saw Doug Gilmore and those 93 Leafs have to do it against Detroit with that overtime winner by Nick Borshevsky. And and if your team starts a little slow at home, Crowd gets on you a little bit. And 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 last night, last night, I think we can agree, Jeff, you've gone to enough games. So have I at, at Scotiabank Arena last night. That 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 would have been a powder keg of emotion. Uh, you would have been so excited to celebrate the first series round win in 17 years. And and you and you you got the ticket, your boss left them for you, or you got it from your neighbor. He can't and nobody's there. So like the, but the air would have gone out of that building after the second Canadians goal. And it's sometimes tough to recover from. We're going to see a game seven tonight with Minnesota Vegas. That that arena is going to be like we're all envious of these scenes in the States. We just are right now. That's how the pandemic is flipped. So I think the fans in Montreal are going to help the Canadians for sure tomorrow night. I don't know that it's enough, but they're going to help them out of the gate. Yeah.
Yeah, I couldn't help but think the same thing watching last night after Muzzin got his uh, second. And by the way, who saw that coming? But yeah, the building would have been rocking after the Leafs had tied it. And maybe that helps the Leafs a little more in overtime. But having said that about uh, Muzzin having to score two just to get a, a tie and get it to overtime, how concerned should the Leafs be about Matthews and Marner, who seemingly have really been shut down as of late by the Canadians? Yeah, Mitch Marner's an interesting case study. Um, I, you know, I, I think Matthews is just continuing to do what he does. And, and I think, you know, the puck always eventually goes in for Austin Matthews. I don't worry about him. The, the great question is with Mitch Marner. He's still getting assists. He's got four assists in the last three games. Jeff, he hasn't scored a goal in the last 15 playoff games. You got to go back to game one in 2019. He scored two in that game, a loss. And then he didn't score in the next six against Boston. Didn't score in any of the games against Columbus last year and hasn't scored in any of the five so far against Montreal. Eventually, you know, that's going to ding your confidence. That's going to ding your, your self-value and your self-worth a little bit as a hockey player. And there will be some that say it, um, that, you know, the road's littered with guys. You go to their hockey DB page and there will be a Joe Sackick or a Steve Eiserman that had a first round exit. And you're like, oh my gosh, that like they played seven games and they have no goals and they had one assist. Like, these kind of lines happen to a lot of superstars. Um, the great Wayne Gretzky has had first round exits before. Yeah. In the playoffs. So um, I, I want this to happen for Marner. I think he's a huge part. Remember this, this was said to be the weakest team they're going to play. Winnipeg is going to be a much tougher test, uh, almost an equally good goalie really by, by standards right now in Connor Hellebuck. And they're just sitting and waiting and getting healthy and ready to go. So they want Montreal to win. They want this to go right the distance to Monday night. But Mitch Marner is going to have to contribute more than he has so far uh, if they're going anywhere in this playoff or if this is just winning one round. And I don't think it's a satisfying summer or fall if you just happen to, to edge out the Canadians and didn't beat anybody else. That's not what this team was built for. Yeah. Are assists enough, do you think, Greg, for Marner? Or does he got to score? Does he got to put it in the back of the net? Yeah, I do think he has to score goals. I do think that's a that's a factor. He's had a ton of shots. Um, you know, he had uh, he's he's had two five shot games. He's had fourteen shots in the series. If anything, Jeff, I I think there's a re a, a reverting somewhat backwards to where he was his first playoff year in 2017 against Washington when they all were kids. This was a lot of the Leafs' first experience, and that's the best Freddie Anderson's ever played for the team. Like like they were supposed to build on that round specifically. The Capitals went and won the Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup the next year. But Mitch Marner seemed hesitant to shoot in that series. Um, he scored a goal in the opening game and then did not score again and, and didn't even take a shot in games five and six. They lost both those games. So I want him confident uh, and not holding the puck quite as much. I, Joe Thornton's only had a couple chances on net. And guess what? He scored a goal. Um, same thing with a couple of the other Leafs. Like, put it on net and good things may happen. But I think it's like a hitter in a slump. This is like George Bell in 1987. As great as he is, he doesn't think he's going to get a hit when he goes up there. And I don't think Mitch Meyer thinks he's going to score when he puts it on net right now. Hmm. Uh, just finally, I want to ask you about Tavares, because uh, how great was that to see him in the stands last night looking as good as he did? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Someone made the point that he went and skate. I can't remember who it was or I'd credit them. Someone he, he, he skates in the morning, Jeff, around 10 a.m. And I'm sure went back to his condo or whatever or, or his house. And then but then he's in that arena that night with lights flashing, you know, loud music echoing because it's empty. That's a pretty good sign that he could absorb that. And I and we mm. said it last week. There's just no way to tell with a concussion. No way to tell. It's not a knee injury. It's not a shoulder injury. 
he could be ready to go next week. He could he could have a setback and and we won't see him again in the playoffs. But but yesterday, very good sign. Not just that he was skating, but that you know that he didn't want to be under uh, under his bed covers. And that's what a concussion, migraines. That's what the, that's what that does to you. You don't want to see the outside world. The fact that he was there, you're right. A massively good sign. And uh, I don't think there's anything pending tomorrow night. But can anyone rule him out for Game Seven or the start of the Winnipeg series? I don't know that we can now. All right. Well, first, the Leafs have got to get there, and they got to get through the Canadians tomorrow night, of course, at the Bell Center with limited uh, fans. And right afterwards, you can hear Greg Brady on the playoff show right here on 640 Toronto. Greg, thanks as always for this, and uh, we'll be listening tomorrow night. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Yeah, be well. Greg Brady with us.